web series called Nothing Else Matters. Um, we just shot uh, the first couple episodes. I've done some commercials. Um, can I get the plug in at WBTT? Yes. So um, you will be doing uh, Light Up the Night. And then also we'll be seeing Donovan on Pipeline as Omari. Thank yeah. you guys both so much for this opportunity. I really appreciate it. Thank you, Travis. Thank you, Jonah. 100.1 LPFM in Bradenton. Bye-bye. Cool. Welcome, 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 everyone. I am your host, Snusha, here with Plants Lala and WSLR. And today we are speaking with the magnificent Meg Lowen. And so for those of you who aren't aware, Meg is a trailblazer in the truest sense of the word. She has committed her life to conservation and really promoting our forests and doing so much work in the canopy. And so today we are speaking with Meg about one of her organization's um, projects, although project is really an understatement for what they are doing. And that is her work with the Tree Foundation and Church Forest in Ethiopia. And so Meg, say hey! <laughs> hey, it's great to be with you, Susha. This is fabulous. I'm excited to chat. Okay, sweet. Excellent. Thank you so much for being here. I appreciate you you for being here. And so um, tell me a little bit about your gateway into canopy research. Sure. Uh, first, I'll put in a plug for you. One of my best students and a great tree climber herself, Snusha and I have been colleagues for many years, so it's really a pleasure to talk to you. I guess my beginning with the trees and my love for the forest came as a kid because I grew up in a very small town. There wasn't much to do. There wasn't a movie theater. There wasn't even a computer when I grew up, much less a cell phone. So I did play outside a lot with my friends, and I was just kind of, I guess, a kid that liked to build tree forts and find bird nests and pick up snakes and do some crazy things like that. So I was a nature lover from the beginning. And as I grew up and, you know, became more and more interested in science, um, I decided to study trees. And I did grow up in a generation where girls weren't supposed to be scientists. So I guess I always was in the minority and kind of a geek. Uh, so it was... A bit of a tough road to haul, but it was worth it in the end because now I'm really happy to be able to give back and try to help the world keep our trees healthy. All right. Thanks. Thank you for that introduction about how you got started in canopy research. And so fast forward a little bit. How um, how did you wind up in Ethiopia of all places? And what? Oh my gosh. You know, I looked around the world and I realized that there's a lot of countries that can afford to do good research and save their forests, but there are a lot of countries that can't really afford it, and those are the ones that tend to be losing their forests the quickest. If you look at Madagascar and Ethiopia and um, places where there's not a lot of economy to support conservation, there also doesn't seem to be many scientists working there, so I kind of made a personal pledge to myself that I should try to work in places that are really urgent as far as forest conservation. And also, just as a chance event, I met one of the only forest 
conservation biologists in Ethiopia at an international meeting in Mexico about 10 and years ago, and his name was Alamainu Wasi Ashete, and we became friends, and he said, you know, nobody in the world is helping me save the forests of Ethiopia, how about you? And there I was, looking at a motor coffee, and I said, holy cow, okay, I think I should do this, because it's an ethical obligation, and so... I bought him a ticket. He came to New College and was a visitor in my classes when I taught at New College. And we did a grant proposal to National Geographic to start saving the force of Ethiopia. And one thing led to another. And lo and behold, I became truly one of the only white people and definitely the only woman that befriended the priests of the um, Ethiopian Orthodox churches because the last trees in northern Ethiopia are in the churchyard. This was kind of cool because the priests believe they should take care of all of God's creatures. And I, as a conservation scientist, believe that I should protect biodiversity. So lo and behold, we came together and had lots of prayers and lots of ceremonies and lots of walking in the woods together. And so now I'm part of an adopted a member of the priesthood, I guess, in Ethiopia, and work with the priests side by side because we have programs that we share. I educate them about trees. I help fundraise for them to build stone walls around the forests and put gates in the walls so that people can still come to church. And we uh, have this amazing trust and friendship that has allowed us to at this point, save about half of the highest biodiversity forests in northern Ethiopia. We want to do a few more in the next five years, but um, slowly but surely, we're making really good progress. And I feel so honored to be linking religion and science together because sometimes people think that's not really a good match, but it's been a wonderful match. And I absolutely love the time I spend in Ethiopia partnering with the um, Coptic or Orthodox Christian priests. Oh, wow. Oh, wow. <laughs> oh, I mean, wow. All that. That is so much to marvel, unpack, delight in. I was just like, wow. Oh, my gosh. This is not done overnight. I guess this wasn't done in two weeks or anything like that. I, that's. Well, you can go on my website sometime, www.treefoundation.org, and you'll see these crazy pictures of me surrounded by 150 priests with their handsome, wonderful black faces and me with my pale skin. But we're family. It's all family, and we have the same mission. And the head priest is building me a little hut as we speak. He said, oh, now so you can sweet. come and stay in the complex someday. And so we just have all these amazing times together. They usually... Um, slaughter a lamb when I come because that's a, a nice, that's a very high sign of friendship when mm-hmm. you share food together, especially because food is hard to come by for them. And so, and, and you know, we just really love to spend time together and I miss it because I haven't been able to go over there during COVID. Mm-hmm. Oh my gosh, thank you so much for sharing that. I love, I, I'm just gushing right now. So let me stay on script. Um, you spoke a little bit as to why conservation in Ethiopia and how you chose to pledge to that because it was an area where there wasn't necessarily the infrastructure in terms of research and those who are committed to it available. But I'm a little curious if you could go into a bit more detail about um, 
the types of trees or animals or uh, even humans, you know, that are benefited from this environmental impact. And so sure. something that uh, sticks out to me. Ethiopia, like many countries, uh, relies on its trees for every part of human health. And especially in a country like Ethiopia, there's a tree, for example, the African cherry that cures prostate cancer. There are fig trees that emit juice that the kids take to provide uh, cures for intestinal bugs. There are, of course, oh, wow. honey uh, produced in the treetops of a lot of the trees. The native bees in Ethiopia provide a really important form of sweet because they can't necessarily go to the store in many rural parts of Ethiopia and buy a pound of sugar like we can go to Publix or something in Sarasota, Florida. So there are amazing products that come from the trees. There's this extraordinary spiritual importance for the trees, of course, because people worship in the church, which is located within the church forest. And the people believe that the trees are part of the religious experience, that having those trees is a home for their ancestors. It's where they bury their ancestors. Those trees are also home to all of the native pollinators of their gardens, home to all of the native mammals that they might hunt or that might live in Ethiopia, home to all of the birds. There ain't no birds living out in those fields of, you know, soy or teff or oats. Uh, the animals and the wildlife live in those church forests because that's the native vegetation. So it's really, really critical for them to keep those areas of native vegetation. And without them, the people won't be able to live. The same thing's true in America. Without our forests, we could not live. The oxygen is one thing. The production of fresh water is another. Um, and then, of course, all the medicines and all the foods. When you think about it in the world in general, we get chocolate from trees. We get oranges from trees. We get timber from trees. We get all kinds of amazing and important things. So we really do need forests to stay alive. Thank you. And so I totally see where you're coming from. I totally get it. For anyone who wasn't aware, you definitely just provided so much tangible information that they can go and kind of understand a different perspective of why trees are important. And going more back towards like the humans, you know, side of things of conservation, um, what you've done, not just in Ethiopia, but beyond, even in Sarasota, you know, even in Florida, even in Madagascar, wherever, is truly, you know, even if you did one of those things, even just one, it would have been just like amazing. And so what I'm curious about is where do you find the confidence to do this and just the, not just the passion, but to like execute it as well. Like where is this coming from for you? Oh my gosh, that is a great question. Well, Snusha, I'm just writing another book. It's called The Arbornaut with uh, Farrar, Strauss, and Giroux, which is part of McMill, and it's out August 10th. I'm going to give you an autographed copy. Oh, yeah. You will read about what a geek I was. <laughs> I was so shy. I used to throw up before I had to give a lecture. I was so scared to walk into a room full of mostly men because that's what forestry was all about. In my day, it was a male-dominated world. and Still, in a lot of my field research, it's a male-dominated world. So I was not 
it all counted. I just really did it because I'm dedicated to the trees, and I'm also a mom, and I did it because I'm dedicated to my kids. I was actually a single parent, so my boys had to come with me to the forest a lot. They couldn't stay home alone, so they became pretty good <laughs> arbor nuts when they were little. Arbor nut being a word for a tree person who studies the tops of trees. Um, so over time. I've gotten a little more confidence, but I still get pretty nervous when I have to talk in front of a big bunch of people or make some important decisions. But on the other hand, I think it's important for me as a woman in science to be strong and try to set a good example. But you will read in my book about a lot of times when I really fell flat on my face, mm-hmm. and you will probably go, "Holy cow, she's just like me." <laughs> we all have these hurdles. We all have these setbacks, and we. Have to just keep going forward, don't we? Mm-hmm, definitely. Um, yeah, for sure. Thank you for sharing that, and thank you for that offering as well. Um, yeah, I'm just picturing your two boys, and it's like can't stay home alone. Guess got to go to this rainforest. <laughs> it's just like. Oh you gotta eat bugs. You know, they didn't have McDonald's down in the jungle. Oh crazy. my gosh! Oh my gosh! That is that is incredible. Um, so speaking of books, I know you have a few books out. One of which is translated into Amharic, which is one of the native languages in Ethiopia, and I believe it's called Beza. Is is that how it's pronounced? I believe. And so, Beza, excuse me, Beza, thank you. And so, tell us about Beza and that process. Sure. After having such great success with the priests in terms of educating them about the value of trees and working as a team to save the trees, it kind of dawned on me that all the kids in the local villages will be the future priests and the future farmers. And so what good is a project today if we can't educate the next generation a little bit? So I really puzzled over that because I couldn't give them computers when they don't have electricity and we couldn't develop apps for cell phones when they don't have cell phones. So we couldn't do the kind of environmental education that kids in the States have, which is a lot of technology and things that are way too expensive for Ethiopian families. So I thought, wow, what if we did a book, a children's book, that talked about the value of trees and even more radical, what if we made a little girl as the heroine of the book and her name is Beza. And I worked with one of my Ethiopian friends who translated it into Amharic and I actually wrote the English version which you can buy on Amazon.com. You can actually buy both versions for anybody in the audience that might speak Amharic. It could be fun. But the whole idea there is we fundraise. We ask for donations from when I give talks. And also when anybody buys an English version on Amazon.com, we actually use the proceeds to print an Amharic version, and we give those away to kids in Ethiopia. It's one of the most absolute heartwarming things I've ever done in my life is handing these books to school children in Ethiopia because most of those kids have never owned one book in their whole life. So to give them their first book at age 10 or 12 or 14 and have it be about their local trees and their local landscape is really a wonderful thing. And hopefully the book is helping the kids start to be educated about why it is we're trying to protect these trees. So go online and buy Beza. 
Um, my Meg Lauman and Worko Mulat, who's my colleague, Ethiopian colleague, and we would be so happy because whenever you buy an English copy, you're helping us print one for an Ethiopian child. All righty. Definitely go online, y'all. I've checked out this book. The illustrations are beautiful. <laughs> I'm really a sucker for illustration. And the writing is extremely enticing as well. So check it out. Um, yeah, Black History for me is a lot about renewing my commitment to literacy. And so I think that it's awesome that uh, yet another book, this one about you, Meg, The Leaf Detective. Tell us about that. That's a brand new one. And yep, it's about a crazy girl that climbs trees, which could be you, Snusha. <laughs> Yes, uh, I mean, but the Leaf Detective just came out, I believe, last week on yeah, the right. February ninth. February 9th. So it's like fresh, fresh new, and it kind of talks about uh, you say a crazy girl that likes to climb trees, but I, yeah, it could be anyone. But I think we know who it is here. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, you, the illustrations of that are fabulous too. You said you love illustrations. Yeah, they're they're really they're really that beautiful. That author came with me to the Amazon. She really did her homework so she could see what it was like to be a canopy scientist like myself. And she wrote the story, and the illustrator I think did a fabulous job of doing research and kind of what kind of bugs and orchids and birds live in the tops of trees in different parts of the world so it's a really cute story i must say that it, even if it's wasn't a real person it's a cute story but yes it is it is about my life which is kind of crazy i think oh my golly here's this girl from a small town in upstate new york and they're writing a book about her life but i think the uh, moral of the story here is if we can get more girls into science and more diversity in science it will be fantastic Yes, and I definitely do, I definitely can vouch for you, Meg, in that regard, that you've always been striving to be more inclusive, not just on paper, not just on your resume and all the amazing things you do, which, you know, is standalone in itself. But for myself personally, I learned and became certified in tree climbing through you and even in acquiring my certification as an arborist. That in itself is such, it, yeah, it's a male-dominated industry, and it can be very intimidating at times. So having someone who can really, you know, hold me accountable, but also encourage me, and also, you know, I can speak with as it relates to just my career advancement has, you know, it's a privilege and a blessing. So I thank you for that a lot because it is it is one finding a tree climber in general. You know, you don't find those everywhere. <laughs> But to find another woman who does it, it's like, wow, you know. <laughs> you are the coolest person to do that. I love it. Yeah, so thank you so much. And so, um, okay, a few more personal questions. Uh, let's start with, what advice would you give your 10-year-old self now? Oh, my gosh. I would say be bold, ask questions. Don't be frightened of everyone in the room that might be louder and bigger than you are, because I certainly was that. Um, but I would also encourage a lot of kids now to get outdoors. It's very tempting to stay in front of a computer screen, and even though we all love computers and technology, it's really important to cultivate your five senses, smell things and taste things and see things and 
learn how to navigate in the woods. You know, I loved Harriet Tubman when I was a kid. She was one of my two heroines because I thought, can you imagine navigating with moss on the trees at night when she did that underground railway, um, you know, movement of people from south to north? I feel like there's a lot of need for kids these days to just use their bodies and their five senses to be able to be out in the woods and enjoy it. So I hope we don't lose that ability. If we sit in front of a computer screen all day, we might end up being very wide and very, you know, non-fit. <laughs> kind of our brains get a little bit fried in a certain way. So I do think it's important to try to get kids outdoors. Even if you live in a big city and you can't get to, out to a big forest, you might see one or two trees. You might experience ants on the sidewalk or see a few weeds growing somewhere. There's just a lot to see anywhere in the world about Mother Nature. Yeah, especially in Sarasota, there's so many canopy walkways. Hello! I mean, to- we got the first public canopy walkway in the country out at Mayanka River State Park. Get someone to drive you there, just go for it. Yeah, like honestly, and I have to, for me, y'all, you can already hear the excitement in my voice, and I've known this woman for like I think like six, seven years now, you know, but it's just like, canopy walkways are so cool. Like, they're, they're, I'm so happy to be blessed, to be born in the time where they exist because they literally changed my life. That's a fabulous quote. <laughs> no, they're, they're really cool. So check them out. And so what advice would you give your 20 year old self? My 20 year old self, I would say, be a better consumer. Be careful what you eat and what you buy. Because right now we're killing the rainforests without intending to because we buy the wrong things. Check on the timber you buy and make sure it doesn't come from the Amazon. Check on the coffee or the soybeans or the beef that you buy and make sure it doesn't come from a place where they cut a forest down. And be really smart um, about that. You can do a little bit to do your part to help our kids and our grandkids we have a few resources left on this planet in 50 years time i think you'll be very proud and a much better citizen so it is time for us to all be much more responsible and we need to tell our government officials hey we want to know how much energy it takes to produce this hamburger we want to know when we buy a t-shirt what does it cost you know it takes 700 gallons of water to make a t-shirt and the fashion industry is working really hard to change that, I hope. Mm-hmm. But they'll only change it if we, as the buyers, say, hey, you know what, we don't want to buy a T-shirt that uses that much water because we want our kids to have some water someday. So I think we have to get smarter about our um, what we call energy footprint and our citizenship. Mm-hmm. This sounds like there are a lot of opportunities from people in different fields who wouldn't necessarily consider themselves scientists or even conservationists to engage in that type of conservation. And so thinking about with the um, fashion, I know right now there's a slow fashion, eco-fashion kind of movement that's taking place. And so... Yeah, yeah, I think that's pretty. I'm going to be getting together, you know, with my friend Tommy Hilfiger. Remember, I told you that I grew up next door to him. Yeah. And so next year we're going to co-teach a class called I'm calling it Earth's Clothing, where we talk about how to make sustainable clothing. It's just important, I think, for people to think about that. It's sometimes you say, "Oh, I want to buy this because it's on sale," but we got to think harder about what did it take to make it. 
you know, there's just a lot of ways we could do our part to be better citizens. For sure. And so, um, what advice or insight would you like to hold on to for the next 20 years? So in 20 years from now, you're like, man, I'm really glad that I blink. That I spoke for the trees. <laughs> I became your Lorex and shouted as loudly as I could to everybody to please help protect big trees. Don't cut trees down and think it's easy to plant new ones because it takes over a hundred years to get a decent tree for the most part. Try to protect big trees in your neighborhood for your kids, for your grandkids, for the birds, for everything else, and um, go from there. So I think it's really critical that we do our part in, all over the world, all over the country, not just in Ethiopia, not just in America, but we can indeed become voices for the trees because they can't speak themselves. Alrighty. Well, Meg, it has been a delight and a pleasure. Thank you so much um, for everyone who would like to find your books. You said a few of them are available on Amazon. And as it relates to learning more about the Tree Foundation and your overall mission, they can go to the treefoundation.com or .org and what are other ways that people can reach out to you? Sounds good. They can also go on canopymeg.com, my website, and hopefully learn a few things about projects kids can do outside in nature. All right, cool, Meg. Well, thank you so much. Hey, thanks so much. So great to talk to you, and I miss you. And I'm just happy we got together at Black History Month, and let's get together and climb a tree sometime. Yes, for sure. Missy, taste the moonshine.